Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we're thankful this morning that we can be here. We pray for all those who are watching by over the computer. They may be on a, on a tablet or, an, or a smartphone or at a computer, Lord. We just pray you'll richly bless them. Speak to them also. Speak to our hearts. Please challenge us and encourage us and convict us this morning and help us to live according to your will in this world. Lord, please hide me behind the cross and may the words spoken be your words and may they touch down deep into our hearts and change our lives today. We pray and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, conviction is such a good thing. And I'll tell you right now, I was studying this message and meditating on this portion, the portions of Scripture, and I was thinking, wow, Lord, this is a convicting message to me. It's convicting. So I pray that it will be convicting to you. And it was also encouraging to me. And so I pray that it will be encouraging to you. So may the Lord encourage our hearts. I want to begin this morning by telling a story about a king who is suffering from a very severe illness and, and painful ailment. And his astrologer told him, of all things, that the only cure that he was going to get for this condition was if he could find a contented man and bring back his shirt and wear that shirt night and day. So the king said, okay. So he sent out his messengers into all his realm to find a contented man and bring back his shirt. Well, unfortunately, months passed, and after a thorough search of the country, the messengers returned, but without the shirt. So the king said, did you find a contented man in all my realm? Yes, O king, we found one, they said, just one in all thy realm. Well, then why did you not bring back his shirt? They answered, Master, the man had no shirt. Now, that should really speak to our hearts. We have not one shirt, but we have closets full. We have so many blessings and so many things. Here was a man who didn't even have a shirt, and yet he's content with that. God wants us to be thankful for what He's given us and content with it and not always striving for more and to get more and to have something better and looking out trying to find grass greener on the other side. He wants us to be content. And I think that this story of the king and his realm could really be true of our nation today and true of our world today. You could scan the whole world and how many truly contented people would you find? I don't meet very many in life. Very few. Those who are really born again, who know the Lord and are walking with Him, are content though. Because they've been saved by the grace of God and they know Him and they're walking with Him and they realize that everything happens to them by God's will and by God allowing it in their life so they don't get too down or too up. They live a consistent walk contented. The title of our message today is, Is Our Heart Content? Is Our Heart Content? Because we can go through life and we can seem like we're content, but our hearts may not be. Our thoughts may be running toward what we want to get and what's good for us and, and not being content with what the Lord has given. And you know, thankfulness, peace, and contentment all go together in our life. Because when you're thankful you're going to be content. And if you're content, you're going to be thankful. And it gives you a tremendous peace. I can testify to the fact that Steve Sassfos had peace. Because one day, Debbie and I were there. We went over there. 
that morning to pray before his initial test that he was going to have the, the needle biopsy. And he was he was talking to the nurses. He was telling them, he says, I have peace that whatever God wills in this matter is going to happen. And he was rejoicing. He was smiling. He was even cracking jokes to the nurses that came in. It was amazing. Only a saved person who is content in the Lord can have that kind of peace under those kind of circumstances. But those of us who know the Lord, we've been through some difficult times right in our lives and we found the Lord to be our enough our sufficiency, our help in what we go through so we can be content. You know, when I was out of work, I knew that the Lord was going to provide for me. And I remember Mike saying to me the same thing. I know, Dean, the Lord's going to provide a job for you. Adel used to tell me the same thing and a number of others. And prayer, and we put it all in his hands and he has provided. And I was thinking about this this week as I was riding Bard and going through all these things, that I'm content with where God has put me and I'm thankful. And when you can do that, It makes all the difference in the world. It really, really does. Webster's New World Dictionary defines the word content this way. It says, happy enough with what one has or is to be not desiring of something more or different, satisfied. What a great definition to be happy enough with what you have and who you are in Christ not desiring something more or different or what's out there in the world and and to be satisfied. Can you say this morning that I'm satisfied in Jesus? I'm satisfied with what the salvation he's given me. I'm satisfied with the gifts and abilities and talents he's given me. I'm satisfied with my spouse. I'm satisfied and content with my family, with my kids. I'm content with what he's done for me. When we get to that point in life, the devil will challenge us. He really will. He'll bring something terrible into our life and he'll allow it. But God overrules in our hearts. Today, our text is Psalm 23 and verse 1. Psalm 23 and verse 1. I'm going to quote it in a couple of different versions today that are really a blessing. First of all, we'll go through the uh, one that we'll have on the screen here, which is the New King James Version. And then I'm going to quote from the NLT, New Living Translation. And later on in the message, I'm going to mention the message, which is another version as well. But here the psalmist is David, and he was content. Even though he was being pursued by Saul, even though he had hard times and trials and all kinds of things happening to him, he could say this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, in the NLT, I really love this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I have all that I need. I don't need any more. You know, sometimes you ask a person, what do you what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? And, you know, it's really beautiful when somebody can be just so content and says, you know, I really don't need anything. I'm content. I don't really need anything. And when we think about it, what God has done for us, We are content. There was a story told years ago of of Lord Congleton. He was a rich man over in England and he had a cook and butler and staff and everything like this. But he was a very nice man, very good man. And one day he heard his his housekeeper say this. Oh, if I only had five pounds, wouldn't I be content? So thinking it over, he said, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to give her 
this five pound note. So he he went and he handed her the five pound note and she thanked him profusely. Oh, thank you, Lord Congleton. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. So then as he walked on, he kind of went on, but he wanted to kind of listen in to see, is she going to be satisfied with this? Is she going to thank God? So he went past the door and his shadow passed over and then he heard the woman say this. Why didn't I ask for ten? Five pound notes, not enough. I want ten. And isn't that the human nature? Isn't that our human nature to always want more, more, more? And we see somebody else get something, so we want something as good or better, right? And so discontentment can come in. May the Lord help us to always be content in Him. You know, unthankfulness, discontentment can come in and it can really affect us. But today we're going to look at three things. Number one, the Lord is our supply. He's our supply. Number two, the Lord is our sufficiency. And number three, the Lord is our satisfaction. You know, when you think about it, the Lord is our supply. Now, we have a number of people working for Safeway and procurement like Alan and different ones, and they're in the supply chain. They call it the supply chain, right? They order the product and then through the supply chain, it ends up in the store. And then Dean comes along and he goes into Safeway in San Ramon like I did last night and bought my groceries. And so that perfect chain of supply came through. It got from Alan's desk. They got it to the from the warehouse through the system into the truck by the truck, the truck to the store and then to my uh, house. And I consume the food. That's the way it should work, right? Well, with our lives as believers, we're in a supply chain too. God is the supplier and we're the receiver and he overabundantly blesses us. And yet sometimes we, we complain. Lord, I don't have this or this happened or that happened. May the Lord help us to realize that God supplies our needs. He never promised to give us what we want, but he promises to give us what we need. And I'd like to read a few verses from Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25, a very familiar passage to us, spoken of by the Lord Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like thee. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? After all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But and I love this, but in verse 33 Write it down, circle it, underline it, highlight it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. God is an adder. He's not a subtractor. He's a multiplier. He's not a divider. 
He gives us all these things. And then he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, so many times today, a day, sometime, we get stressed out. And you see it at work. People are stressed out. They get so uh, bothered by these things. And yet, as a child of God, we shouldn't be stressed. I like that expression somebody came up with. It wasn't me, but came up with the expression, I'm too blessed to be stressed. So next time you're under pressure and strain and you've got you know, assignments that are due in, in school or you've got work uh, things to do and presentations and all, I'm too stressed to be blessed. We should be content. We should trust Him. We're, yes, right, right. We're too blessed to be stressed. Thank you, Karen. Too blessed to be stressed. You don't want to put it the other way around. That's true. That's true. Hmm. We're too blessed to be stressed. But you know what? Suppose the Lord was the kind of God that says, you know what, what I'm going to do? Every time you thank me, I'm going to give you a blessing. And every time you complain, I'm going to take one away. Wouldn't that be something? Okay, every time I'm thankful and I thank the Lord for something, he's going to give me a blessing. But every time I complain, he's going to take one away. So the question came back to me and I thought, now, would I be in a surplus or would I be in a deficit? Deficit. <laughs> deficit. You're right. You are so right. Deficit. Just like our country, we're in deficit spending. You know, we've got this huge deficit in the trillions of dollars. But may the Lord help us. Is it hard to thank him? Is it hard to be content? It's not. But we have to remember what he's done for us. We have to remember that the end of the story is that we're going to be in glory with him forever. And we should always be thankful and always be content. Because discouragement is something that can creep in. And when you have, dis, you have discontentment, it leads to dissatisfaction. And dissatisfaction leads to discouragement. And discouragement can even lead to depression. You have a lot of people that are depressed and they even put many of them in these mental institutions because of depression. But if we thank God and we honor Him and we are content with what we have, we will always be happy. We'll always have a smile on our face. You know, we live in a very fast-paced world. There was a story told of a lady executive, just happened to be a lady this time, lady executive, and she had just closed a big deal. And she was so happy and she said, I'm going to go down to the lounge of the building in the complex, building complex, and I'm going to treat myself to a real good cup of Starbucks coffee and I'm going to treat myself to a bag of my favorite cookies and I'm just going to sit there and relax and I'm going to be, I'm, I finished the deal, the day is over, the week is over and I'm just going to relax and enjoy it. So she went down to the break room and she wanted to do that. So next to her, a fellow sat down and so there she was, she per, he proceeded to eat one cookie after another, and she noticed that he was putting his hand in her cookie bag, and she was, he was eating one cookie after another after another. Well, you can imagine, pretty soon her temperature started to rise. Her blood pressure started to boil. She was getting upset. So she turned to him and she said, these are my cookies. Because it ended up, both of them were putting the hand in, they were both eating them, and their both hands went into the same bag of the cookies at the same time. And she said, these are my cookies. So she got up, she got her newspaper and she went out and she grabbed her keys and her purse. And all of a sudden she heard the sound of a, of a bag rattling, a bag of cookies, her cookies. 
And so the man didn't say anything. He just gently raised his eyebrows and he said, ah, to learn. Because he had what was really neat about this story is that during the time when he would give that where they were eating the cookies and she said, these are my cookies. He had taken the last cookie and he had split it in two and he and he offered it to her. Well, now she's complaining, right? And so upset. You're eating my cookies. And here, here's your bag of cookies. You were eating my cookies. You know, it's amazing how people can be so self-centered in this world today. And when you're self-centered, you can't be content. You can't be happy in life. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, I think of two people in the Bible that are very great opposites, Jacob and Esau. And we remember that when Jacob had to face Esau later on, he got this great gift ready for him and he made everything set up so that the servants and the children would be there and he and Rachel and the children would be back further and so forth. And then they heard Jacob, Esau's coming and he's got 400 armed servants with him. Ooh. So Jacob was really scared. He made this plan up and he thought this is going to be great. We're going to give Esau a gift. Well, it's interesting in Genesis 33, what Esau says, he says, I have enough, my brother, or I have plenty. Keep what you have for yourself. But what Esau had was physical, material and financial. That's all he had. He was a man of the world. He wasn't a believer. That's Esau. And notice the words of Jacob in verse 11 are totally different. His outlook, his perspective, totally different. He says to, to him here, he said, please take the blessing that is brought to you. The blessing. That's the first thing. Because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Now, Jacob had the same thing. He had the physical, he had the financial, he had the material blessings, but he had more than that. He had the Lord in his life. He says, God has graciously given this to me. And so it was quite a contrast between Jacob and Esau. It really was. And that's why the text says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, I like what the message said. And I know that, Barb, you really like this version. Listen to this one. This is great. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I love that. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. That puts it in our modern language. We can all understand it. We have everything from Christ because we're in him. So that's the first point this morning. That's our supply. He is our supplier. He meets our needs. We can be content with what he's given us, who he's made us, what we look like, everything. We're all special. And I was thinking about this week. We all have a different kind of DNA. We have different uh, lifestyles. We have different backgrounds, but we're all in Christ when we're saved and we, he has given us so much. Secondly, he is our sufficiency. He not only gives us blessings, but he overflows them. So that's why it said in the psalm, surely my cup runs over. You know, if you have a cup and you pour into it and you keep pouring and pouring and it's going to fill up and fill up and overflow. That's what the Lord does in our lives. He doesn't just say, OK, I'm going to give you a little bit. And you drink that and you'll be appreciative. I'll give you a little more. He fills it all the way up to the brim and overflowing. That's why it says in Ephesians, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or think. Even dream of. 
God is able to do that. That's why Paul, in writing to the Philippians in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, says this. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned what in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, you think this must be a man who has just got a nice house and he's enjoying life and he goes on vacation and has everything around him at his beck and call and he's so blessed and everything. Where did Paul write Philippians from? We've been studying that, right? From the prison cell. He says, I've learned to be content. Now, you tell me, Paul, you're thankful in prison. You're content in prison. He says, yeah, because God placed me here. And when God places us somewhere, that's where he wants us to be. So we can be content. We can be thankful, knowing that he's going to turn it out for the good. And we've been studying and if in Philippians, how the Lord turned it out for the furtherance of the gospel, that these soldiers were being saved in Caesar's praetorium guard. And it's just amazing what God can do. If we're content, if we're thankful, and we allow him to, even in our difficult circumstances, we can be a blessing to others. That's amazing. That's wonderful. And we should be. And that's why later on in the Philippians 4.19, it says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches, in glory. Bill McDonald wrote in his commentary, he's, he didn't say he's going to bless us with his riches in glory, but in according to his riches in glory. He's going to give us, when God gives a gift, he still has just as much left after he's given it. So he's given it out of his resources. And we should be thankful for that. And yet, are we any different than the Israelites? I mean, they were delivered from Egypt. From that bondage, they went out, they crossed the Red Sea, and the first thing you hear out of their mouth is they started to complain. They started to complain. We don't have any water to drink. We're dying of thirst out here. We have no food to eat. What's, what are we going to do? Let's go back to Egypt. Sad. Very sad. But we can be somewhat like that too. Sometimes we have all these blessings around us, and then one little thing, one little hangnail, one little problem, this, this morning I was sleeping so nice and sound and, and I, I tried to adjust the clock so ahead of time so I could feel like I'm still getting my rest and everything and I was sleeping away and all of a sudden I hear this scratching, scratching real loud, real loud like it was right next to me but it wasn't, scratching. Not a bad dream either. It must have been a raccoon because the raccoons come around sometimes and they try to get underneath my house. And there's those little wire things there to keep, you know, things from getting in. And it must have been with its claws just scratching and scratching and scratching. Thankfully, after about 10 minutes of that, it gave up and said, I better go and try somewhere else because this isn't working. But it's like whatever the Lord allows, he allows it for the good in our life. And he can turn things around for us at any time. And I'm really thankful for that. But they were complainers. They were murmurers. And it really is true. And we're not much different from them. We always want something new. We always want something better. We always want something more expensive. We always want it for ourselves. And when do we want it? Now, <clears throat> it's very hard to wait. 
Well, there was a humorous cartoon that was put in the newspaper a number of years ago, and it showed two fields right next to each other, identical fields, divided by a fence, and both fields were filled with lush green grass. And in each field was one mule, one mule in one field and one mule in the other. Field number one, field number two. So the picture goes is the mule in field number one was reaching its head through the fence and eating the grass in field number two. And the other mule in field number two, he was sticking his head through the fence and he was eating the grass from field number one. And you say, what? What in the world? And so the cartoonist put it, and and not only that, but they got their heads stuck in the wire of the fence. So you can just imagine they're stuck So they're not able to get the grass now because they're stuck. And down at the bottom, the cartoonist writes in big letters, all capitals, discontent. Discontent. Because we always think that the grass on the other side is better, it's greener, it's nicer. You know, if I just had that kind of life, like that servant who said, if I just had that five pound note. Well, did that five pound note make her content? No, she wanted ten. She said, I should have asked for ten. You know, we're not by nature content. That's why it's a supernatural thing when we're saved and we have the Holy Spirit. We can even be content, but we can only do it with his help. And so we ask ourselves, are we content today with the thorn that the Lord has given us, with the cross the Lord has given us, with the life that he's given us? If we can say that we're content, that's huge. That's huge because that'll make an impact upon the people we go to school with and the people we work with. If they can see that we're content, even in difficulties, even in losses, it will have a great impact on it. The title of the message, as we said, is, Is My Heart Content? Now, I'm not talking about yours or Yours or your is my heart content. That's what we all have to ask ourselves because the Lord knows what's in our heart. Reminds me of Lot because here he was with his godly uncle Abraham and he spent time with him. And it must wouldn't it have been great to have Abraham as your uncle and spend time with him and walk with him. That would be great. Well, all of a sudden, of course, they had a lot of servants between the two. And and so they were going to divide between they were going to go out from each other. And so Abraham gives Lot the first choice. You take the right side over here and I'll take the left or you take the left. I'll take the. He left it up to Lot. He says, you choose. Go ahead and I'll take what's left because he knew that God would work it out and he would get the best. And it truly happened. But Lot chose, where did he chose? The well-watered plain of the Jordan, right next to Sodom and Gomorrah. And not only did he go live next to Sodom and Gomorrah, but he went and lived in Sodom. And we all know this terrible story of what happened there. And yet, Lot was a believer because in the New Testament, it tells us that his righteous soul was vexed by the sin of those people in Sodom. And yet he became so carnal so discontented with with the things of God that he allowed the things of the world to interfere. And I can just imagine how hurt and saddened the Lord is when we complain. He really is. And we catch ourselves. I catch myself sometimes complaining. And I say, forgive me, Lord. I shouldn't complain. Look how much I have. Look how much I'm blessed. I'm just alive for one thing. You know, that was one thing when Rick uh, Punso had that accident. He was hit by a car and I heard about it. It was so terrible. And the first thing I heard was Rick Punso is so thankful. He says, I'm thankful to be alive. And all of us should feel that every morning that we get up, that we can open our eyes and we're alive. 
and we have a home and we have a car. We have a job and we have places to go. We have kids and wives and husbands and we have so many things. And yet, isn't it amazing how Satan can divert our attention over to see what we don't have instead of thanking God for what we do? May the Lord help us to find everything in him, because number three is satisfaction. God is our supply. God is our sufficiency and God is our satisfaction. You know, it's one thing to have a lot of possessions and a lot of blessings, whatever blessings they are, but it's a whole different thing to be able to enjoy them. So many times we know people that have a lot. They live up on these hills. If you ever drive along 680 and you go down toward Alamo and you see these homes, Barb, you're not, you see them, right? And they're huge homes and they're up on the top of these hills and people actually live in these homes. And yet I'm wondering, are they content? Are they happy or not? And probably in most cases, they're not because they can't enjoy it. They're too stressed out over it. They're too, uh, care- they, they've got all this money and they're worried about losing it and investing in all of this. But whether you have much or you have little, be content. You know, if you can't be content with little, you'll never be content with much. And if you're never content with much, you'll never be able to help others who have little. That's, that's the truth. It's the way it is. If you look over to First uh, Timothy chapter 6, we see Paul telling Timothy about how important it is to be content and because it's so critical to his ministry there in Ephesus. And here he writes to, to, the, uh, to Timothy, he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we're certain we can carry nothing out. Can you imagine how the world would change if somebody really got hold of that verse and believed it? We came in with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing. So why put such a priority on it? And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience and gentleness. You know, may the Lord encourage our hearts today. You know, there was a wonderful song that came up a number of years ago by Bill Gaither. And I think it was back in the 70s, maybe the 80s, but pretty much, I think, the 70s. But it goes this way. I found happiness. I found peace of mind. I found joy of living and it's oh so fine. Perfect love sublime. I found real contentment, happy living in accord. I found happiness all the time. Wonderful peace of mind since I found the Lord. The Lord gave me that this week. It was so funny. I was at BART, right? And it's that day that that whole BART station was <laughs> bad. It was a slowdown in the system and there was tons of people. And I was singing, and I don't know if anybody heard me, but I was singing it kind of low, but I was singing this song. And it's, it's so true. We found happiness. We found peace. We found Christ. And because of that, we can be content. And that's why it says... Real contentment, happy living in accord. I found happiness all the time. Wonderful peace of mind since I found the Lord. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, it's not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes us makes happiness. 
You know, people in the world can gain all these things. But like I said, if you don't enjoy it, if you can't enjoy it, and the only truly believers in Christ can be content and enjoy the blessings. Someone said also, discontent makes rich men poor, while contentment makes poor men rich. And that's really true. It really is. There was a man who used to give seminars back in the 70s, and he used to go around to the Coliseum and different places. His name was Bill Gothard. He had these special seminars. Well, he said contentment is realizing that God has already provided everything we need for our present happiness. Isn't that beautiful? I'll say that one again. Contentment is realizing that God has already provided everything we need for our present happiness. Everything I need to be happy right now, I have it. Now, if I want to stretch my my head over to that other field and get it stuck in the fence, that's on me. Because God has given me a field and he's given me lush green grass and he's given me everything I need to be happy and content. If I'm not, it's on me. It's my fault. And how sad the Lord must be when he sees how uh, unthankful and uncontent we can be at, at certain times. Another person said this true contentment is not found in having everything you want, but in wanting, not wanting to have everything, not wanting to have everything. But one thing we have to keep in mind, and I want to make this real clear before they end the message. Because we're Christians and we're content does not mean we don't strive to be successful, that we're not competitive, that we don't try to, to, to do our very best, because that is true. We need to do that. But in the striving for success and in the competing and all the things that we do, we don't step on other people on the way. We don't cheat to get there. We don't lie to get there. We don't do it on our own. We allow God to bless us. And at the end of the day, if somebody beats us, like in sports or in a competition at work or whatever, you shake their hand and say, congratulations, good job. Because that is what it's all about. Because when we do win, when we win in life, in sports, in work, in whatever it is, and somebody congratulates us and they said, good job, Dean we should come back and say, thank God the Lord helped me to do it. And I love that at the end of the Super Bowl. I love it because when the winning team comes and they have a Christian and they give glory to the Lord and they say, I thank my Lord Jesus Christ because he enabled me to be here. He enabled me to do it. It's such a blessing. And we should feel that way because everything we have, it's from him. Everything that he's given us to do, it's from him. Every victory is from him. And he does allow defeats and he does allow trials and these things to happen for our good but we can still be content knowing that he's given us exactly what he wants us to have so to summarize real quick he's our supply he provides all our needs we don't have to be anxious or worried we can be content in all our circumstances god's our sufficiency he provides everything we need over and above even that we ask or think and third he is our satisfaction we can find our delight in him. We can take all that he's given us and we can be thankful for it. Or we can be like that man in the Gospels. Remember, he had that one talent, what he did? He went and buried it in the ground or put it in a napkin. And that wasn't right. The others that took their talents and used their talents were blessed. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. May the Lord help us to be content with what he's given us and thank him every single day. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, right off the bat, we want to thank you for 
helping us with this, Lord, and convicting us with this subject and this message. And we also want to thank you that you forgive us, Lord. Please forgive us for when we're, when we're not content and please forgive us when we're not thankful and when we want more and we want things that you don't want us to have. Help us, Lord, to just trust you knowing that you have the best for us in life. And if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they can't be content, Lord. They've tried everything to find fulfillment and they've tried, Lord, in their own selves to make themselves happy and to be content and it doesn't work. It just won't plug in. It won't work. And so we pray that they would come to you today, Lord Jesus, and accept you as Lord and Savior and be born again and begin to have a contented life, a peaceful life, a joyful life. And so, Lord, I just commit this day to you and thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' precious name, amen.